Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Africa Malupa Let's pray today. Is why me tandazo yetu kosi sikelela tina luswa polwayo morena buluka Yes, our nation, Lord. South Africa, South Africa, Let's pray together today. That is a prayer. Everybody, even if you're online today, pray. Lord, your, your word says that we should pray for our nation. We should pray for our government. We should pray for institutions that rule over us. We should pray for our presidents. Lord, for each leader. Lord, the judiciary. Lord, Father, we pray right now, Lord, for our land. Lord, our land needs you now, today, more than ever before. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you may convict, Lord, the corrupt. You may convict and get rid of the wicked and the evil and the selfish. Lord, Father, I pray in your name for more and more men and women of yours, Lord Jesus, to rise up, Lord Jesus, to take their destiny. Lord Jesus, Lord, to follow you as you lead them, as you lead us. So, Lord, Father, Lord, bless Africa. Bless South Africa. 
Bless our city, Johannesburg. Bless our community. Bless our families and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You believe that? Let's give God a round of applause today. Wow, praise God. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I was going to say I was an elder in my heart. I'm still an elder and pastor of this church, uh, based in Alathia Church in Boston. Uh, those who are online, good to meet you. This is how we start church here at Ian Rosebank. Um, I'm a married man. Oh, yeah. Probably better for you to see my expressions. I'm a married man, been married, as you heard from Pastor Sai. My five kids, I uh, can't believe. Some of you may know Gail Agnes, my firstborn. Just a few days ago, we're celebrating her 25th birthday. I cannot believe it. I barely feel over 25 myself. <laughs> cannot believe that. Uh, today is another beautiful day. Some of you may know my third child, Mongani. Uh, his full name is Mongani Sakani Rulani. Uh, he is now 21 today, and praise God, and uh, he's celebrating that birthday in Shanghai, in China. Uh, he's at N uh, New York University in Shanghai. So uh, Gail and I, as you heard, have been married for 27 years. It's really an honor to be here, and uh, we love South Africa. Every time I come here, I feel as though this is my home. In fact, not even I feel as though this is my home. And so we're going to be talking today about honoring institutions. And the title of what I'm going to be sharing today is Honor Institutions, Honor Authority, Honor God. Uh, what's interesting is if you look across the world today, and we're talking about institutions, let me ask this question. Um, how many people today watch English soccer? Raise your hands if you watch English soccer. Okay. Any of you, uh, anybody here, don't be embarrassed. I'm not going to rebuke you, but anybody support Manchester United? <laughs> wow, there are fewer today, I'm sure, than, than a few years ago. Okay, so the, Manchester United is an institution. Um, but some institutions should learn to submit to other institutions. <laughs> and I say this being a Liverpool supporter. So all I'm going to say is 5-0, 5-0. You know, by halftime, they could have given up. You know, there should be repentance and humility sometimes. Welcome to all of you online. We're having a wonderful time here at Ian Rose Bank, and we pray that as we go through these chapters together that you'll be part of this even though you're not physically here. And I also hope that you realize that that national anthem we sang, it begins with a prayer. God bless Africa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So many people have seen Africa as a cursed continent. My question is, are you part of reversing that curse? We have poverty, we have hunger, we have war. The wealth is, somebody once said, Africa is the richest continent. It's not Africa who's poor, it's the African who is poor. Oh yes, uh, this sermon is sponsored by Kleenex. Yeah. 
it should cut you to your heart when we hear of counselors being killed. It should cut to your heart when you see our governments being captured. It should also cut you to your heart and get each one of us to our knees when righteous men and women cower in the shadows rather than standing up and taking their rightful place. Until there's a King David, there will be oppression by the Philistines. Until there's a King Solomon, the glory of God in displayed in wealth will not be seen. Until there's an Esther, God's children will not be rescued. Where are the Esthers today? Where are the Solomons? But being anti-establishment today is fashionable. Fashion is overrated. If I stand here in some 70s gear, you'll think, what's wrong with Pastor Tendai? Fashion is here today and gone tomorrow. But we serve a God who exists and lasts through the whole of time. Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. That means that you cannot get someone who has a longer and better track record than God. No one can match his experience. Nobody has the CV God has. Because he was there from the beginning. Or as somebody once said, from the Beningini. And because God is here today, and everything that exists cannot exist without him, that means that there is nobody who can claim to be more hip, more legit, more lit, or whatever cool word these kids are using nowadays, than God. Because everything that is here today is here because he's here. And you can't get someone who's more in touch with the future, with tomorrow. Because right there at the very last millisecond of time, God is there waiting for us. So let's begin. Today we continue the series that you've been going through over the last couple of weeks called Swimming Upstream, Discipleship and Honor. What's interesting is uh, I'm sort of the super sub today, as you heard from Pastor Simon. He's had a sore throat, and he called me yesterday, and you have to be ready. When you're on, when you're on the bench, each one of us are on the bench. Amen? Amen? The Bible says, be instant in season and out of season. Yeah. You are a super sub on a team even better than Liverpool. Yeah. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Amen. So I'm, I'm here, and it's actually interesting, full circle, because Simon reminded me that we were uh, on mission to a city called Bo in Freetown, in um, Sierra Leone. And uh, Bill Bennett, who was our pastor at the time, had a sore throat, and uh, he couldn't preach. And Simon had to jump around and preach last minute. So in a way, it's come full circle. I'm actually the sub today. But also, what's, what's interesting is um, the Lord gave me a privilege. Today, I'm a proud South African, but I happened to assume U.S. citizenship, and so before the last election in the United States, where in the U.S., you know that we had a very, very interesting president. Let me leave it at that. Very, very underlined, interesting president. And the whole country was divided. And including the church was not in agreement on which president should be there. And the Lord gave me the privilege of sharing. We had just voted, but before the elections results had actually been announced. 
And here I am today on the eve of the elections that you are facing tomorrow. I see that not as a coincidence. And the reason is because in a world where people want to tear down institutions and hegemonies, I believe God wants to build His hegemony and His institutions. Yes, I said hegemony. I know Him. We need to be there to ask the question that when we go around tearing down institutions and tearing down structures, what is going to be put up in their place? What should be built? Which institutions or authorities protect us? Which ones oppress us? Is all authority good? Is some authority bad? The true answers to all of these we know are in the Bible. So let's go to the Bible together. Romans 13 verse 1 to 7. Romans 13 verse 1 to 7 in the ESV. We're going to be reading quite a few verses together today. Because this is, the Word of God is refreshing and it, it emboldens us and it's, I believe it's going to change lives today. Whoever has faith in these words, these words will change us, will change you. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For authorities are not a terror to, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you pay taxes. Yes, I said it, you pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. I want to point out something interesting. Verse 4 mentions avenger, the word avenger. Yep, avengers did not start with Marvel. God has been long into avenging, standing up for the rights of the oppressed. Avenging started with God, the superhero. I remember once uh, writing a verse to encourage my mom saying, do not, say, uh, do not repay evil, for God will revenge. God is the ultimate avenger. He's the ultimate superhero. If institutions and authorities are bad, why does every human being at the core of their being clamor for someone stronger, more powerful, and more heroic than they are? It's a clamor for godly authority. It's a clamor for godly institutions. This world needs that. Deep, deep, deep inside of us, some deeper than others, we all yearn for a hero. In Matthew 28, verse 18, in the NIV version, it says, Then Jesus, who is our ultimate hero, Christ, that's why we're called Christians, because he is our hero, he's the one we follow. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. And I'm going to read James 4, verse 1 to 7. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Sounds a lot like our parliament, or the U.S. Congress, or the British parliament. It's a mess. I've even seen some parliaments where people actually fight physically. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. I was talking earlier on and praying for the, the six people, I understand it's now six people who've been killed across the country for serving their communities as counselors. You covet, but you do not get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the Scriptures say without reason that He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us? But He gives us grace much more. This is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. This verse is the key part of this reading. Submit yourselves therefore, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, this looks confusing. The one verse in Romans says we shouldn't resist authority. The other verse says we need to resist the devil. So, what if your government or your family or any other institution you're within with authority over you is evil? If you look at the context of Romans 13, the pagan Roman Empire ruled over God's chosen people, Israel. What were they supposed to do? Rebel against him? What about our own recent history? What do we do when someone establishes and perpetrates apartheid? Or slavery? Or the Nazism in Germany? Do these people represent God? What does a Christian do when faced with such institutions? I remember, some of you may know I was born in the UK. Uh, my dad was involved in the liberation struggle here in Southern Africa. And so he was exiled and I was born in the UK. And in the UK, growing up in the 1970s, they were still dealing decades later with the legacy of the Second World War. And I remember asking as a kid, were there no good people in Germany? Were there no Christians in Germany? And I was answered decades later that there's a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Powerful man of God. Look him up. He's an example of what you must do when you're faced with a dilemma about facing an institution that supposedly has been delegated, had delegated authority by God, but perpetrates evil. What's amazing is that he was revived on a trip to the United States as a white German when Germany was preaching racial supremacy. The same racial supremacy, by the way, that a number of our national party leaders had learned when they were in the university in Heidelberg and brought to South Africa. That same German ended up in, in, in America and he heard the gospel preached but couldn't see the Spirit, couldn't see, couldn't see God in the preaching in all these churches. He said it felt like as if he was visiting social clubs when he was on Manhattan in New York, 
in a lot of the established white Protestant churches. Guess where he met God? Revival in Harlem. He writes this. This is, this is actually researched uh, history. God can do anything with anyone in any institution, and the church has not finished yet. So let's summarize what I'm going to be sharing today in three things. Firstly, all authority belongs to God. Secondly, he delegates that authority to people and institutions. Third, when we have to choose between obeying God and obeying the delegated authority, we choose God. Every time, no exceptions. So let's start off with the first thing. All authority belongs to God. We read earlier on in Matthew 28 verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This verse is clear. It doesn't say some authority or most or 95% of authority. It says 100% of all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. What's interesting is that if you then go to Psalm 24 verse 1, it actually says he owns us as well and owns everything. So not only does he rule over us, because you know presidents don't own the whole whole country, right? Jesus goes one further. He, He rules the country. He rules the world. He rules all of creation, but he actually owns it as well. He needs to account to nobody. And yet he chooses to be as transparent as he has been in the scriptures with us. Doesn't that tell you something about the delegated authority we have? That if God, who's the ruler over all, decides to be transparent with us through scriptures, don't you think we need to be transparent too? No one can have authority outside of God. So that's the first point. Let's move on to the second. We're making some good progress here. Right? The second one is he delegates that authority to people and to institutions. That means every mayor, every councillor, every president, prime minister, king, queen, yes, even traffic officers, call him Lord and boss. And if they don't do so willingly and joyfully now, they'll do so unwillingly and in trembling later on. The Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. I think Jesus deserves a better round of applause than that. So how are we then supposed to hold that authority? How are institutions supposed to wield that authority? Well, Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says the following. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. In others, O human being, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If you have authority, you need to act justly. You need to love mercy and you need to walk humbly with your God. All institutions have the authority delegated from God. John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States in the 1960s, and in his inaugural speech recognized this and said the following. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. So, why do we vote? What does that have to do with God? So Winston Churchill was quoted as having said, Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the other forms that have been tried from time to time. Democracy is simply the aggregation 
or the summation of each one of our individual authorities that God has given to us. Because you see, government starts with self-government. When we come out of our, our mother's womb, we have self-government. And when we're two, we think that that self-government is invincible and no one should tell us what to do. And I want to throw my butterscotch all over the place. But our parents quickly come to remind us that we're not totally sovereign. That we are submitted to authority. And so that authority that we get from our parents is then eventually as we grow up and we begin to get further and further away from our parents and we begin to get our own, our own confidence, our own, become our own person, they, those parents who have received authority from God in turn delegate that authority to our teachers, to our community leaders. And so we learn to work with other children. And if we don't, we're quickly reminded that again, we're not sovereign, that we have to fit into a family of humanity and we have to understand that authority is actually delegated. Then, as we grow older and we become adults, that's when the problems begin. Because at the age of 18, the devil's got a very specific lie for all adults. It's the same lie he told us when we were two years old. That we are sovereign and we need not be accountable to anybody. I can do what I want to do. This is my life. There are even songs about it. <laughs> even though they sound funky, they're wrong. God has instituted civil government and various other forms of government to place healthy boundaries around us. Just like our parents did. God gives us those boundaries, those rights, and the balance and checks and balances to prevent anarchy. But our world, if you look around, our world is broken. It needs to be fixed. It will be fixed. It needs to be fixed. And as part of God's plan the church will be the fixers. You see, God has put us here to make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says, for creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now this is talking about our immortal bodies, that when we arise in our immortal bodies, the whole of creation is going to gasp a sigh of relief almost and celebrate that God's kingdom has finally fully come on earth. But even now, even now as God's children, we're supposed to bring those institutions. We're supposed to bring that godly reign. Even now, we're supposed to be practicing for heaven. Exercising that delegated authority that God gave us, whether as parents, whether as teachers, whether as managers, employers, office bearers, or any other sort of authority, we're supposed to reflect the authority of God. Now, the reason why this is important is because when nobody can see you, when you're in the dark, you know that saying that you become the real you when the lights are off and you're in the dark and no one's seeing you, right? God's got an incredible, almost x-ray vision that looks right down to our hearts and looks at our motive. I'm going to ask you today, you may feel a calling to lead. You may feel a calling to be a parent, to, be a, uh, to get married, to run for political office, but what's the motive? You may want to start a business, what's the motive? That needs to be asked because God reads our motives like a book. And the institutions that are out there are only as good as the people within those institutions. So high quality people will produce high quality institutions. Low quality people with low quality values will produce low quality institutions. 
you've heard it said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That saying has left out a very key phrase. So let me tell you what the complete saying should say. It should say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely when disconnected from the incorruptible source of all power, God. I'm going to repeat that again. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely when disconnected from the incorruptible source of all power, God. If you are in authority today and you are not constantly connected to God, it will corrupt you. It's just a matter of how much. Be connected to the source of all power and you will not be corrupted. Finally, and uh, I'm not a politician, so I won't be saying finally about eight times today. I'll try and say it only once. Finally, we have to choose between obeying God and obeying the... So when we have to choose between obeying God and obeying the delegated authority, we choose God, no exceptions, every time. In the first few scriptures, we read at the beginning that God tells us to resist. So it tells us, yes, to resist the devil, but not to resist authorities. And this is a complex, a complex statement. And in fact, if you boil it down, it becomes simple. But the complexity of it is exactly why churches and Christianity have exploited lies. Apartheid was propped up by Christians, saying that we can't rebel against the apartheid government because they're instituted by God. Therefore, freedom fighters were wrong and were working for the devil, apparently. A lot of Christians believe that. Same thing in Germany. When Hitler asked for the Deutsche Ketch to be set up, which is basically the German church where he was beginning to introduce that Jesus wasn't a Jew, because Hitler had a bit of a problem with him hating Jews and Jesus being a Jew, a uh, bit of a problem there. So he decided to say, let's just change the narrative. Jesus wasn't Jewish, he was actually Nordic. Can you believe that? Nordic, from Northern Europe. This is why we need godly men and women. So if it's true that we cannot ever resist government, even when they're wrong, what do you say of Jesus' resistance against the Pharisees? The Gospels. What about Elisha and Elijah rebuking the kings of Israel throughout Chronicles and Kings? What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow down to the statue erected by King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 and 3? What about the Hebrew midwives who are told a clear instruction to kill every Israeli kid, every Jewish kid, and they decided not to kill Moses, who eventually led not only to the salvation of Israel, but actually, arguably, to the rectification of the whole world. What do we say of Daniel's refusal to listen to the king when he was ordered to stop praying to God and landed up in a lion's den? There are many examples of when we must do what the apostle said in Acts 5 verse 29, and I'll quote it says, we must obey God rather than men. The devil likes to confuse us. He likes to make things complicated. So let's boil it down to the most simple thing. If any authority, whether parents, civil or government authority, asks you to choose it over and above God, it is no longer legitimate and no longer has God's delegated authority. When authorities clash, obey God rather than people. 
So let's give some practical examples. Jesus was in a country that was being ruled by a completely godless system called the Roman Empire. But he paid taxes to Julius Caesar, famously by taking it out of a fish. So paying taxes is not a rebellion to God. We need to be very careful that we don't just take things and say, yeah, I don't like this government. I didn't vote for it, so I'm in rebellion. They're in rebellion to God. I don't like them. We need to be very careful and look into Scripture about whether that is true. If an institution or authority, even your boss, asks you to do something dishonest, like pay a bribe or lie or sleep with them, you say no. Because that is not a delegated authority being exercised righteously. They have lost their legitimacy to rule over you. In Proverbs 11 verse 10 it says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Johannesburg needs to rejoice, people. South Africa needs to rejoice, but you need to prosper for that to happen. And in order for you and I to prosper, we need to be plugged in to the God of all prosperity, the God of all righteousness, the God of all beauty and authority. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Now, we need to be cautious about this third point of rebelling against government because we need to recognize that we ourselves are naturally rebellious. Nobody had to take a, a two-year-old child through a course and lectures of how to be rebellious. It's just natural. It's just wired in there, the hard wire of sin, right? And so we need to be careful that when we think a government is not actually obeying God, we need to actually ask of God to say, are these guys actually with you? And we're not talking about a perfect government, we're talking about a delegated government on this planet that's not going to be perfect. But I'm talking about where government encourages you to sin. So let's talk about Jeremiah 17 verse 9. I'm going to read that. It's one of our last readings. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all cure. That is serious. Who can understand it? A very good example of how that happened in our politics, someone once said, you may remember, I'm not going to mention any names, but I think by what they say and the voice I'm going to use, you know who it is. Somebody once said, I will kill for Zuma. And now today they're more like to say, I will kill Zuma. <laughs> the heart is deceitful. One minute we stand for one thing, one next minute we stand for something else. I'm going to ask you to pray for the election tomorrow. To vote as the Lord leads you. If God tells you to run for office in the future, do it. Amen? Amen? Knowing that He has the authority and that you're serving Him. Stand up against sin, corruption, and evil. Evil abounds when good men and women do nothing. As I read earlier on, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The Bible talks about seven sons of Sceva that went to go and pray for a demon-possessed man. And they thought, oh, easy, this is easy. We just copy and paste what the apostles did. We're just like, uh, I think he waved his hand like this. And I think he said, come out, like that. And the demon beat them up. And the reason why the Bible shows that is not to scare you, make you scared of demons, but to, make, to emphasize this verse I've just read. Submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, and then he will? Amen. I'm going to conclude by saying this. Some of us have been hurt by institutions. 
Some of you may have been in a family that wasn't protective of you. Where the very mother and father who were supposed to protect you may have even abused you or may have condoned abuse. You may have worked in an organization or some sort of institution that really injured and hurt you. I am so sorry for that. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That is not God's plan. God's plan was never that his delegated authority injure you. But because broken people and sinful people wield that authority, they sometimes hurt us. I'm going to ask you today when we end to come forward for prayer. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray because it's important that you resolve that issue. Because what happens is that that seed of offense actually leads to a root of bitterness and it actually becomes a plant. And without even realizing it, you're going to reject someone. You're going to hurt someone. You're going to abuse some authority yourself because of the seed that's within you. Sometimes you even get angry at God and begin to reject God. I'm going to ask you today that if that is you, when you pray, come forward. In conclusion, swimming upstream means that we understand that all authority begins and ends with God. That he has delegated his authority to institutions and people. That we must always obey these, except when they disobey God. In which case, we must obey God, even if that costs us everything. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask you if you're online, wherever you may be, to join us. That even if you're not coming to the front, pray with us. There are three people I'm going to ask as we close to come to the front after we've prayed and close the meeting for everybody. And I'm going to ask the, the, ministering, the, ushering, the ministering team to come forward. Number one, if in this message you've sensed that God wants to anoint and empower and equip you to be his leader, his representative in an institution. It might mean stepping up more in your marriage. It might mean being a better parent. It may mean running for office, starting a business, leading your community. That's the first category of people. The second category of people I'm going to ask to come forward are those who have been hurt or scarred by authority that's been abused and therefore hurt them and want to say, this is the end of that offense and I'm not going to be a perpetrator myself of that hurt. I'd ask you to come to the front. I'm going to pray and dedicate this time to the Lord and say, God bless you. Vote tomorrow. Vote according to your conscience. Lead tomorrow, whether you lead yourself, whether you lead your family, whether you lead your community, lead. But lead being plugged into God, the ultimate leader of us all. Lord Father, thank you that you trusted us by giving us authority over ourselves and over the various institutions that exist. Forgive us, Lord. If there are any people here who've ever abused authority, who've ever abused or neglected authority, Lord, we submit ourselves to you, the ultimate power, and we thank you and we love you. Bless each person here today as they go, Lord Jesus, to elect tomorrow 
that they may vote in line with their conscience and that you may lead and guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.